Welcome to the City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. Everybody ready for the word of God this morning? Come on, I'm ready for the, I'm ready for the word. Uh, we're starting up a, a brand new series of sermons this morning uh, called Resurrection Stories. Uh, and this series basically surrounds the idea, uh, or, or surrounds the, the, the topic rather, of, of looking at the perspectives of different people uh, that were present for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and so by looking at the, the event of the resurrection through the different lenses of different people, we can have a whole picture of what exactly was happening uh, at the resurrection of Jesus. And so I'm excited uh, about this series uh, because it'll give us a, a, a different look every single Sunday of how that event was observed by different people that lived at the time of Jesus. Uh, and so if you're, if you're ready to jump in God's word, if you could turn with me to the book of John, John chapter 20. Verses 11 through 18. John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. John chapter 20, verse 11 through 18. My version says this. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped in to look at the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had laid, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping and whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, If you have carried him away, if you have taken him, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. So she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. The word of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We thank you. It's a great day to be in the house of God. It's a great day to be alive. Thank you, Lord, that we're in April and I'm believing that springtime is coming at some point, Lord. Make it happen, God. Increase these temperatures in Jesus' name. Increase the degrees. Amen. 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 Um, So, we're looking at the life of Mary Magdalene today, and she is a, um, she's a figure that people are always trying to, to figure out, because uh, she had, a, she had a, a very close relationship with Jesus. And so to kind of recap what's going on, uh, Jesus had been crucified. I, I think majority of us in this room would know that. He, he died. He was laid in a grave that belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. And, uh, and a couple days later, three days later to be exact, on Sunday morning, uh, we know the story that Jesus rose from the dead. And so on, early on Sunday morning, the scriptures in all four gospel accounts show us this fact. 
is that women were the first ones to go to the empty tomb and, and to find that the tomb, that, that the stone had been rolled away, that the body of Jesus had been taken out. And so a lot of people say that the fact that the, the four gospel authors all confirm that women were the first ones to, to see the empty tomb is proof that the resurrection did in fact happen. Because if I wanted to spread a story, a fake story in the time of Jesus, and I wanted it to be considered valid, I would, I would include a detail in the story that the men were the first ones to find the empty tomb. Because at the time of Jesus, the testimony of men was more believed than the testimony of women. And so in all four gospel accounts, it talks about the fact that women were the first ones to find the, that the stone had been rolled away and that Jesus was no longer laying in the tomb. Shout out to the women. Shout out to the women. And so Jesus is not there. Mary Magdalene is now sitting outside of the tomb weeping that someone has stolen the body of Jesus. And so she she leans her head into the tomb and 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 just to look one more time and and there are two angels sitting on the stone where Jesus's body had been laid one angel sitting where the head was and one angel sitting where the feet of Jesus had been and 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 as Mary peers into the tomb and and sees these two figures she doesn't realize that these are angels and she starts having a casual conversation with these two angels that are sitting in the place where Jesus had been laid for three days. And, and so the angels ask Mary, Mary, why are you weeping? I assume that these angels were men by that question, because men are always trying to figure out why women are crying. And, and so uh, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? And, 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 and Mary says, the body of my Lord has been taken. And in that same moment, Mary looks back And there is the risen Christ, Jesus, standing right behind her, and she doesn't even recognize that it's him. And so Jesus asks, Mary, why are you weeping? Again, Jesus, 100% man, asking a woman the all-important question, why are you crying? Why are you weeping, and who are you seeking? Mary, I I just imagine her having so many tears. Have you ever had so many tears in your eyes that you really can't see things clearly? I just imagine Mary just outside of herself, just beside herself trying to uh, wrap her mind around the fact that the body of Christ had been stolen, and she thinks that Jesus is the gardener. And so she talks to the gardener and says, you know what, if you're you're the one that took him, give him back, and I'm going to take him. I read one commentary that said Mary Magdalene must have been a really big woman in order for her to make this claim that she would be the one that would carry the body of Jesus away. I'm like, that's a really big assumption, but whatever, take it or leave it. No spiritual or theological implications to that. But there's this conversation, and I'm just kind of baffled by this, right? Because Mary is talking to two angels in the tomb, doesn't realize that they're angels. She turns back and looks at Jesus, not realizing that it's Jesus. I mean, there are signs all around her that Jesus has risen from the dead, but she is not perceiving it. Have you ever been so caught up in what you've lost that you have lost sight of all the signs that God has still put around you, that he is in fact alive and that God is good and that God is doing a new thing? Sometimes we get so focused on the pain of loss that we forget that there are signs 
all around us that God has never left us. God has never forsaken us. I want to give a word of encouragement to you, church, this morning, because some of us have been so focused on the pain of loss or the pain of the passage of time or the pain of of something that didn't go as we had planned. And, And we're like Mary sitting outside of a grave crying about what God did or didn't do. And I just want you to be reminded that sometimes the enemy will try to make us focus on the negative and then it takes our sight off of the positive. But I want to remind you that for every loss, God always has two other positive signs to show you that he has never left you. For every one loss, there are two wins. Every time the enemy tries to tell you what you have lost, I'm telling you, God is going to give you two signs that he has never left you. Angels in front of you, Jesus behind you, God has never left you. Can I have an altar call and let y'all go home? You, you, you need a sign. There, there are two signs for every one loss. For, for every one valley, there are two mountains. For every one thing the enemy tries to whisper to you, God wants to re- shout over your life two promises. For, for every one deceitful thought in your mind, God is going to declare two scriptures. For every one word of defeat, God is going to prophesy two words of blessing. For every one thing that the enemy is going to try to do to stop you, God is going to declare two blessings over your family and over your life. For every one thing that the enemy is going to try to plant in your mind or plant in your family, I believe God is going to overcome evil with two things that are good and excellent and pleasing and praiseworthy. This is a prophetic word for your life. For every one thing the enemy tries to do God is always going to do two things to prove that in fact he is the one who gets the final say can you say amen at 9 45 in the morning because you need to know this that for every one thing Satan does God gives two signs that he is in charge of not only the grave he's in charge of heaven and earth and under the earth everything bows at the feet of Jesus mountains tremble demons flee sins are forgiven illnesses are healed past is broken broken future is guaranteed people are saved everybody finds their place because jesus has the final say say amen for every one thing the enemy does god wants to do two things for you not to show off but to prove that he is the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. God doesn't need to boast because when you're in charge you don't have to boast about your position you're simply in charge For every one thing the enemy is going to try to do in your Monday morning, God is going to remind you in two scriptures that he is good. For for the thing that's going to happen to you on Tuesday afternoon that we don't know yet, God is going to remind you in two signs that he has never left you. For the thing that's coming on Wednesday night that maybe you're dreading, I'm telling you God is going to give you two reasons to give him praise. On Thursday and Friday, the the unforeseen circumstances of life, the things that we don't know are going to happen, God is going to give you two reasons to pray and to call on him. And I'm telling you, in those moments where there is one lie, there will be two promises that God declares to you. Mary is broken because of the one reason that they have stolen Jesus. But God gave the broken Mary two reasons, two signs that God had not left her. Two angels in front of her, Jesus behind her. And here we see a picture that a lot of us humans, and and I'm not trying to knock Mary. I'm not trying to put Mary down because I know that I'm the same way. I know that I can get so caught up in my circumstances, so so teary-eyed that I'm not seeing clearly, so broken that I'm not remembering that in Christ I'm made whole. And so, man, I'm just like Mary Magdalene. 
I'm just like her. I stand at the grave and I cry and I weep and I, and I groan and, and I fail to see the signs of God's faithfulness around me. This morning, I, I, I want to be that guy that get, puts a tissue on those teary eyes and lets you remember that God has never left you. Is this for anybody this morning? Come on. Mary's weeping at the tomb. Two angels in front of her, asking her why she's crying. Another guy behind her, Jesus, asking her why she's crying. And she tells the gardener, which is Jesus. Jesus wasn't the gardener. She thinks he's the gardener. And, 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 and she asks him, like, if you're the one that took him, give him back to me and I'm going to take him away. If you took him from me, give him back. If you took him away give him back. Here's something that Mary didn't realize. Jesus never takes himself away from anybody. Jesus never takes himself away from anybody. We sometimes retreat from his presence. Jesus never retreats from us. We, in our actions and attitudes and words and deeds, sometimes we turn our backs on Jesus. Jesus never turns his back on us. God, this is what the Bible says. God will never leave you. God will not forsake you. God will not leave you orphaned. God will not leave you alone. One of my favorite Psalms is the Psalm of David. This is what the Bible says. It says, if I go to the highest mountain, you are there. If I go down to the deepest valley, you are there. If I go to, have you ever stood on a beach and you look at the horizon and it's like that, 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 that point where it feels like the earth just drops off. If I go all the way over there, still your presence is with me. If I go down to the deepest ocean, your presence is there. God does not leave us alone. And that's not something annoying. That is something awesome is that God never withholds his presence from us. I want, Alini preached a word a couple weeks ago at City Boston about having access to God. She preached in the Portuguese service here that we have access. And I want to just remind you of this this morning, is that God does not hold his presence back from people. God delights in visiting. God delights in demonstrating his power. God delights in pouring his spirit on you. And, and so Mary is asking, if you've taken him away from me, give him back. And there's a thing, Jesus never takes himself away from anybody. Even the, 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 the sinners of the, the, like the sinliest of the sinners. If that sinliest is not a word, but the, the worst of sinners. The sinnerest of the sinners. God wants them. The, the broken of the broken. God doesn't take himself away. The worst among us. God gives us equal access. And, the, and this morning, maybe you're feeling like Mary. God, why have you taken yourself away from me? Give yourself back. I want to just remind you, God has never left you. Somebody needs this encouragement this morning. Whether it's not for you, it might be for you tomorrow. So you better pay attention anyway. Some of us sit and sitting, oh, this is not really for me. It'll be for you this week. Have, have you ever listened to a sermon? You're like, yeah, I don't really need that today. Then Monday comes, and you're like, oh, yeah. That's what, that's what you need to. 
imagine the pain that Mary is facing. If you've taken him, give him back. And some of us are, 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 are going through this, this journey with Christ and, and we're kind of acting like God removes himself from people. And, 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 and that God maybe has abandoned you or that God has changed his mind about you. And, and, and we get so discouraged because we come to church and we hear these awesome promises of God. And we hear these amazing things that God wants to do. And, and sometimes there's a, have you ever felt like there's a mismatch or, or a discrepancy between what he has promised and what I'm experiencing? It's like, Jesus, you promised me that you would never leave me, but I feel like you've left me. You promised me like prosperity, but I am broke as a joke. Like there's a discrepancy between what he has said and what is happening. And I just want to remind you that even if things don't feel like things are coming together the way God has promised, behind the scenes, God is always working things together to make sure that his promises come to pass. God is not the kind of guy that says one thing and does another. I believe the words of the Bible and everything that God said he would do, he will do. And so if the Bible says it, I believe it and that is done. If he said he will never leave me, he will never leave me. If he said he will never forsake me, he will never forsake me and so when I start getting all up in my head worrying God why have you taken yourself away from me he has not he has not where'd my envelope go he has not he has not can you tell two people he has not 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 he will not he won't he can't because God doesn't contradict his own promises ever had that person that borrowed something from you and they keep saying they're going to bring it back. All of a sudden, they're sitting on the opposite side of church on Sunday morning. They're coming in and sitting on the, sitting in the lobby, listening to the audio. Sitting on the toilet, actually, because there's audio in there. And just waiting for the service to be over because they don't want to see you. Because they make a promise and they don't keep it. They're promising to deliver, but they don't deliver. Or you lent, you lent money to somebody. Oh, man, that's the worst thing ever. Don't lend money. If you're going to give it, give it, but don't lend it. Don't lend it. Let, let's give. Let's give. Oh, I'm going to give so you can give back. Chances are it won't come back, so just give. It's like Jesus. If Jesus were on the cross, he'd say, okay, I'm going to give my life. You give it back. Did you know Jesus would give it even if we didn't give our lives back to him? That's a word. I'm preaching this morning. Thank you. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, we're talking about, I have my little cheat sheet of my six things that I need to say today. Um, Jesus never takes himself away. Oh, Jesus is the one that never breaks his promises. He never does. He, he's not the guy that says he's not going to leave you and then leaves you. He, he's the guy who, he's the God who promises that his pre- presence is with you and his presence will always be with you. I, I'm blown away by this story of Mary. Because she's seeing two angels and not recognizing it. She's looking at the risen Christ and not recognizing it. She's seeing but not perceiving. And then she turns her face back and begins to weep again. And Jesus calls out her name and says, Mary. She saw him but didn't perceive him. But she was still able to hear his voice. She knew 
that voice. I had a high school teacher. I went to a very small Christian high school. When I say small Christian high school, there was about 150 of us from pre-K through 12th grade. Yeah. Small school. So there was about 15 people in my class. And we had this one teacher who was, she was a pastor's wife. Very, you know, matronly woman. Like, maybe a little older. A little older than middle-aged. And, uh... But she said this one thing that she said this in about 2006, and it stuck with me ever since 2006. Here we are in 2018, 12 years later. No, 11 years, 12? I didn't major in math. Um, I didn't even minor in math. Um, She said this, and it stuck with me. She said, there is nothing more beautiful than hearing your name in a loving and gentle way. That had nothing to do with any curriculum that we ever went through. But she, I don't remember anything she taught us. I don't remember one thing she said in class, but I remember this one thing that she said to me is that there's nothing more beautiful than hearing your name said in a loving and gentle way. And I started thinking about, her name was Mrs. Morgan, Mrs. Virginia Morgan. And I'm like, Mrs. Morgan, I thought about this last night, I was prepping for this morning. I'm like, you know what, Mrs. Morgan? You were right. There is nothing. Have you ever had that person who said your name in not a loving and not a gentle way? Growing up, when I was in trouble, it wasn't Shane. It was Shane Elton. My middle name is Elton. And when I heard Shane Elton, I knew it was serious. Shane Elton. But then, Shane. Do you, do you feel the vibe? No, I'm not going for my parents' nicknames for me. That's not happening. I'm going with just Shane. You know, there's a difference between Shane Elton and Shane. And I just picture... Jesus is not condemning Mary for not recognizing him. Jesus isn't like, Mary, it's me. Get it together. Go to Vision Works. Right? Like, how many signs do I, if I were Jesus, I'd be like, how many signs do I need to give you? There's two angels sitting in my tomb. I'm standing over here, posted up, showing myself to you, and you're still not getting it? Mary, get it together. But he understands her brokenness. He relates to her brokenness. And he says, in a loving and gentle way, the most beautiful sound you will ever hear is your name in a loving and gentle way, Mary. And all of a sudden, she didn't even have to look back. She knew that it was the one she was looking for. And I want to remind you of this. When you can't see God, lean in to hear God. Because God still speaks today. God still speaks. There are times when we feel like we can't see God. That's when we need to lean in and hear God's voice. Because God is still calling your name. Whatever your name is, he's not condemning you. Shane Elton. No, he's saying Shane. He's not saying get it together. He's saying I'm here for you. He is not saying why haven't you understood me. He is saying I get your pain. I get what you're going through. And I just want you to see me and recognize that my presence has never left you. I have never left you. I've never forsaken you. This morning, Jesus is calling your name in a loving and gentle way. Just like Mrs. Virginia Morgan said in 2006. He's calling your name. And so Jesus, uh, Mary like goes to like hug Jesus. And Jesus says, don't touch me yet. Go tell my brothers that I'm alive. 
And Mary Magdalene becomes the first preacher of the gospel when she goes to the disciples and she says, I have seen the Lord. Did you know the first preachers weren't men? The first preacher was a woman. The first preacher was a woman. First one. She goes up to the disciples and she says, guess what? I've seen Jesus. A woman, a person who shouldn't have been believed at the time. She is the one Jesus selected to be the first preacher of the gospel. And and Mary Magdalene goes up to the disciples and says, I have seen the Lord. And let me tell you something. When you have had an encounter with Jesus Christ, you cannot shut up about it. This whole tight mouth Christianity makes no sense to me. Oh, let's just come and let's just sing and let's just that let's just listen to sermons and let's leave and let's not be transformed. That that makes no sense. Jesus told Mary Magdalene, "You've seen me. Now go and tell them that you've seen me." Because a testimony cannot be argued against. If I've seen him, I've seen him. If I've heard him, I've heard him. If my life has been transformed by him, you can't argue with that. Your testimony is your story, and God wants to use your story to set other people free. Do you see how much is packed in just a few verses? We go and read through John 21. It's like, oh, Mary Magdalene saw Jesus. Cool. Next chapter. No, there's a lot that God's trying to teach us right there. This, this idea that he's never left us, that he's never forsaken us. This idea that he wants to call our name in a loving and gentle way. And this idea that sometimes we can be surrounded by, by one negative, but God wants to give us two promises. But lastly, and this is how I'll close. Last Friday... At City Boston, we had uh, our Good Friday service. And we had been pushing this event uh, for a little while on social media. And, um, and we had printed out some, uh, some invite cards, just about this big, that uh, a street team would go out on the Saturday uh, before, the weekend before Good Friday, and hand out these cards to whoever they came into contact with. And so I wasn't able to physically go to this event to hand out the cards and to spread the news about the service that was coming up. But a team of people did. Now, the city of Boston is a massive city. I mean, our little printed cards are like a needle in a haystack, if we're going to be honest. And sometimes, because of the daunting size of the mission, sometimes some of us just choose to not do it, rather than do it and let it be a waste of time. And so, but we, you know, we believed and we were praying for this event. We were praying for this night. That's the one we talked about just a few minutes ago in worship that 11 people surrendered their lives to Christ. It was awesome, right? So we, we came to the event and we kind of make that assumption. Yeah, like who came because of the card? Who? Like it's a massive city. Probably everybody took the card and threw it away. That's just kind of the assumption we all make. Like when people hand me flyers, I don't even read them. Only one in the room? Okay. I stand condemned. Um, no, but sometimes, you know, pe- the people in the mall are like, here, take this. And you're like, yeah, here's my gum in it and throw it away. That's just, that's just facts. That's just... And I was praying that that wasn't the case with our cards. But then we went through the service. It was awesome. 11 people got saved. I mean, it was amazing service, right? So this past Friday, two days ago, a gentleman comes in um, and... I was standing at the door and he said, I came last Friday because the street team gave me a card. And he said, I called out of work tonight so that I could come back. Oh, 
Yeah, that's an applause line right there. That's awesome. And then he said this, and this stuck with me. He said, even if it was only for me. Even if it was only for me, it was worthwhile going out and spreading those cards out. Even if it was only for me. Man, that's a word. Because I think Jesus would say the same thing about you this morning. I mean, he's sacrificing for us way more than what we sacrifice to pass out cards. He's sacrificing his life on the cross with no guarantee that we would respond to it. He's saying, I'm willing to take this risk even if they don't come and acknowledge me as Lord. But Jesus would do it all over again, even if it was just for you. Now, sometimes we think, well, there's billions upon billions of people in this world, not to mention the billions of people that have already lived. Granted, But I think about it this way. God's love is so big for me that even if I were the only person to ever live, Jesus would still be willing to sacrifice all of himself for me with no guarantee that I would accept his free gift of salvation. That is way crazier than us handing out cards in the city of Boston. That's a crazy kind of love that's willing to give everything with no guarantee of being accepted. Like that guy that came two weeks in a row and he said to me as he was leaving on Friday, I'll see you next week. God would do it all again just for you. God would do it because I see the story of Mary. Jesus died for the world, but he's taking time to have a conversation with Mary Magdalene. If I were Jesus, I'd be like, girl, Wipe up your tears. I got a world to save. Tell me not. Because I'm impatient. I'm like, I got no time for this. I just died on a cross, rose from the grave. I got, I got a church to build. That's if I were Jesus. Jesus pauses his mission to have a conversation with a broken woman. And he begins telling her and just showing her love and grace. And reminding her, if it was just for you, Mary, I would do it all over again. Some of us have been living this week or living our lives or living this Christian journey thinking that God has abandoned us or God has left us. I'm here to remind you that that grave is empty because Jesus has not abandoned us, because Jesus has not left us. He died to set you free and he wants to remind you this morning that he is calling your name in a loving and gentle way. And when he calls you and when you come to him, he will then send you to go and tell your story. He will then go and send you to tell your story. Does this, does this mean anything to anybody this morning? Thank you. Does this mean to anything to anybody this morning? Come on, I know that our church was not planted here to be silent about what God has done. We're going to be like Mary, and we're going to go tell people, I have seen the Lord. Could you stand with me? I want to pray for you.